Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City. And if this is your first time listening or you just want to say hi, you can email me at ctaylor at capitalcitychristian.org. Do you ever get mad? Well, of course you do. I get mad all the time. And actually, whenever I get mad, I say it's my redneck side of the family coming through. But you know who else got mad? Jesus. Lots of people think of Jesus as a very passive person who didn't speak up or raise his voice. But in reality, there are several times in Scripture where Jesus spoke very firmly and loudly. You could say that Jesus was mad. So what kinds of things made Jesus mad? That is the topic of our brand new series that we're starting today. Let's kick it off with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, this particular picture, but I know you've heard the saying. It goes like this, right? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I've heard that from quite a few people around here, right? I saw some variations of it. This one I thought was kind of funny. This has some lions. If mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. Have you guys seen that pic? That's just cruel, isn't it? Right? Now, I ran across this one too. If mama ain't happy, no one's happy. If daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. Okay? That's awful. Okay, God cares. I'm pretty sure he cares. He really does. But this next one I think is really, really funny. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If grandma ain't happy, run. Okay, that one's pretty good, isn't it? I like that one. Let's get serious. If Jesus ain't happy, if Aslan ain't happy, you care? Do you? You think? Bottom line, nearly everybody wants to like Jesus, but oftentimes it's they're liking a morphed Jesus of their imagination. I mean, Jesus was out there loving on people, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and befriending the marginal. He was a man of courage. He kept speaking truth to power. He died an unjust death. What's not to like, right? Even atheists. Atheists aren't atheists because they hate Jesus. But too often, the Jesus that we honor has been sanitized. The real Jesus actually made people very uncomfortable, especially good religious people like us. The real Jesus made people mad enough that they wanted to kill him. Real Jesus was not tame. He was not PC. He was not safe. Thank God. Let me show you. Once, maybe twice, Jesus actually channeled the Hulk in the temple, their most sacred space, flipping over the tables, chasing people out with a whip. He threatened people with hell. That'd make you squirm, wouldn't it? Give you a few sleepless nights. Sometimes he'd call people names, sometimes terrible names, blind fools, hypocrites, snakes, vipers, whitewashed tombs, double damned, children of hell. Children of hell, try calling someone a child of hell with a smile on your face. See how that works. One time he he actually said that it'd be better for a guy to have a millstone like that tied around his neck and tossed into a lake than to sin the sin that he was about to sin. We'll get to that one in a couple of weeks. And guys, I know Jesus preached forgiveness and love and grace and forgiveness, all that stuff, but there's this side to Jesus Another time, we're going to get to this one in a few weeks too. Another time, Mark actually describes the scene like this. It says that Jesus looked around the room and he looked them in the eye, one after the other, angry now, furious. 
Can you imagine being in the room and Jesus is just locking eyes with every single one of you? And you realize that he doesn't take in your mask. He sees right through your mask. He sees right through you. And you see anger, outrage. Guys, if that's not a wet your pants moment, you're clueless. Can you imagine how hard it would have been to be part of Jesus' media team? You can't do that stuff, Jesus. You can't say this stuff or they're going to crucify you. Can you imagine the kind of field day the opposition press, the opposition media team would, would do with this stuff? Holy man from Nazareth goes nuclear again. Inflammatory words, polarizing words, seditious, incendiary words. That's the real Jesus. I know a lot of you guys have seen bracelets like that, WWJD, right? You've seen it on a uh, bracelet or you've seen it on a sticker or you've seen it on a bumper sticker or a plaque, something like that. One preacher up in Chicago, I thought it was pretty funny. One of his newbies saw WWJD and he grabbed the shirt because he, he thought it meant we want Jack Daniels, right? So he needed to have that shirt, which is pretty funny. Actually, WWJD became popular back in the late 1800s after a book by a guy named Charles Sheldon it was entitled In His Steps. What would Jesus do? It's a great little book. Great question. Well, here's another great question. Maybe it's just as big. What made Jesus mad? What made Jesus mad? WMJM, maybe, right? No, that's a radio station, Magic 101.3, R&B, classic soul. Seriously, what made Jesus mad? Be good to know, wouldn't it? Because you can learn a whole lot about a person by looking at what makes them mad. When you're a kid, it's good to know what makes mama mad, right? Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Despite what that other shirt said, in my house at least, it was pretty good to know what makes dad mad. If dad's mad, you're not happy. I know what makes Julie mad. We've been married 46 years. She knows what makes me mad. It's good to know what makes your friends mad or your enemies mad or your boss maybe, your roommate. And especially useful for us Jesus followers to understand what made Jesus mad, right? Because we don't want Jesus mad at us. I know he's loving and grace and forgiving and all that, but he does get angry. And I don't want Jesus mad at us. Now, that bothers some people. The idea that Jesus could actually get mad in the first place. I mean, we like to picture Jesus as sweet and gentle and peaceful, like one of these classic pics. I mean, a lot of you guys have seen these pics, right? You've probably had one of them in your church or in your home. Or maybe you have a picture in your mind or a picture in your house like Jesus like this, hugging a little kid or hugging a little lamb. And, and what's not to like? How sweet is that? I like those pics. They work. Some people like to picture Jesus with a smile on his face or laughing, right? I always liked that picture. I had that one for a while, I think. Recently, I get a kick out of these. I've seen pictures of a ripped Jesus. Don't you like those? CrossFit Jesus. I mean, that just works, doesn't it? Jesus like this. Can't you just imagine Jesus saying, I'll be back, right? But a Jesus that is mad, angry, chasing people with a whip, flipping over tables. It doesn't fit the fairy tale Jesus. So many people have even so many Jesus followers. 
But guys, you all know that it's not a sin to be angry, right? The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to be angry. The Bible says actually, be angry, be angry, don't sin. Because a lot of times in our anger, we go into sin. I mean, there are times when if you're not angry, there's something wrong with you. But don't let your anger control you. Don't let your anger lead you to do something that's dishonoring to God. Don't let your anger lead you to sin, right? So what made Jesus mad? It's important to know because whenever Jesus got mad, he was right. He was always right. If Jesus got angry, something bad's going down. And when Jesus got mad, he never did sin. Never lost control, never crossed the line, never acted out inappropriately, although even though sometimes what he said and did makes us wince. And this is what's going to blow your mind. Every time we see Jesus getting mad in the Bible, somebody was getting in the way of God's love. Somebody was blocking access, hindering access to the grace of God. So he says stuff like this, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the doors of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. Makes Jesus mad. And what blows my mind is that at least in the New Testament stories that we have about Jesus, he's always getting mad at people like us. Believers, God followers, gets mad when we, instead of bringing people to the grace of God, we throw stumbling blocks, hindrances between people and the grace of God. I mean, Jesus died to rip the veil in the temple, right? That separated people from the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. What makes Jesus mad is whenever we try to stitch it back up again. Maybe the scene in the story of Jesus that pictures what made Jesus mad most vividly is the cleansing of the temple. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this scene kicks off Passion Week. That's the week that's going to end up with Jesus going to the cross and then rising from the dead. This scene takes place on Monday, it looks like, of Passion Week. And what set it off is not really anything about the building. It's not about the building. I mean, The very next day, it looks like, Jesus is going to tell his disciples this building, this place, this temple is going to be torn down. Not one stone of this building is going to be left standing. And if it was the building, I mean, Jesus, on that Friday, he's going to tear the veil of the temple. That sets apart the Holy of Holies, setting people apart from the presence of God's omnipotence. Rip it in two. It's not about the building. We think he was mad at desecrating their holy place. It's not even about the money, the money changing, the buying and the selling in the courtyards, turning God's temple into a street fair. I mean, a lot of people read this story and they wonder, is there something wrong with the bake sale and the foyer or Coke machines in the fellowship hall? It's not what it's about, guys. It goes way deeper than that. Let me show you. Now, this temple was in Jerusalem back in the time of Jesus, and it was an absolutely amazing place. In their minds, this was the focal point of God's presence in the whole world. Now, this is actually a scale model. You can actually see this scale model of of the temple in Jerusalem at the Holy Land Motel there in Jerusalem. It is an amazing thing to see, 
absolutely beautiful. And right there in the center, right behind these doors, is the holy place. Right in the middle of that is this veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant had once stood. And only the high priest could go into that holy of holies and only one time per year. Around that was a small courtyard. It's called the courtyard of the priests. Only the priests could go in that close to the holy of holies. Around that is the courtyard of the men. Jewish men, only Jewish men could go into the courtyard of the men. No women allowed, no Gentiles allowed. The ladies could go past this little wall. Doesn't look very formidable, but there are signs on that wall that basically say, if you go past this, if you're a Gentile, if you're one of the nations, you go past this wall, you die. We will kill you, okay? Ladies could enter to this courtyard. Jewish men could go here. Priests could go further. The high priest could go all the way into the center. And around all of that, this area, and the next slide shows it better, all of this is what you call the courtyard of the Gentiles, the courtyard of the nations. If you're not a Jew, you could go into that part of the temple. You just couldn't get any closer to the Holy of Holies. It's in this courtyard, the courtyard of the nations, the courtyard of the Gentiles, where the vendors would set up their shops during the great feasts. Bankers would set up tables to exchange coins because you could only use the Jewish coins to pay whatever uh, the, the taxes were that were accepted at that time. It was in these courtyards that they would set up corrals where you could buy sheep and cattle for the sacrifices. So you have thousands of animals for thousands of worshipers. Think stockyards in these courts. So when Jesus enters this temple on Monday... Mark says he started throwing out everybody who had set up shop there, buying and selling. He would kick over the tables of the bankers and the stalls of the pigeon merchants. He didn't even let anyone carry a basket through the temple. That's the part where one guy says he's kind of channeling the hulk, right? And then Jesus says this, and we need to pay attention to this. He says, the scriptures declare, the Bible says, my temple, God's temple, will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, for all the nations, not just the Jews, for all the nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. He's angry. What made him mad? Is it the den of thieves part? I mean, it's bad enough that they turn the temple into a stockyard and a bazaar. Apparently the priests also set the prices and they jacked them way high so that they were lining their pockets whenever people would buy something there. Was it the fact that the shops were there at all? I mean, it's supposed to be a house of prayer, right? And there's so much chaos and so much noise that it's hard to focus on God in that place. It's a mess. Or was it this part? For all the nations... For all the nations. Maybe the chaos was keeping people away from God. I mean, this is the closest that the all the nations people could actually get to the focal point of God's presence on earth. And all of the madness was preventing them from sensing the presence and the power and the holiness and the grace of God. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to get that close to the Father? And our nonsense prevents 
them from experiencing him. Which is why at the end of the week, Jesus rips the veil in the Holy of Holies from top to bottom. And within 50 years, the temple is torn down, not a stone standing. Because the temple wasn't needed anymore. Because with Jesus, everybody, everybody has access to the Father. Everyone has access to God. For the moment, Jesus channels the Hulk. Gospel of John gives us a couple of extra details. Now, we don't know if this temple cleansing is the same one described in Matthew, Mark, and Luke during Passion Week. We don't know whether Jesus perhaps did it twice, but he adds some other details. John puts it like this. It says, John made a whip from some ropes, and he chased them all out of the temple, and he drove out the sheep and the cattle, and he scattered the money changers, their coins over the floor, and he turned over their tables. He made a whip from some ropes. A lot of people are asking the question, did actually Jesus whip people? Kind of looks like it. Did a good and gentle and gracious Jesus act this way? Yeah. But it's not just that they're disrespecting the room, the building, the temple, the church. Their behavior was preventing people from connecting with God. It was hindering access to God. Jesus came into this world to reconnect us with our God, and it ticks him off whenever we God followers make it harder for people to connect with God. And we do it in so many ways. So many different ways we Jesus followers work against the mission of our Lord. Throw roadblocks between people and God. And over the next couple of months, we're going to touch on a bunch of them. Let me show you some of the big ones. Indifference. Indifference. When people are indifferent towards people God loves, it hinders them from finding our God. Judgmentalism, when we're judgmental against people that God is trying to forgive, we throw a roadblock between them and God. Legalism, when we care more about rules than we care about people, drives them away from God. How about hypocrisy? Every one of these ticks Jesus off because they hinder access to the Father. And here's what's scary. I suspect that every single one of us Jesus followers battles, if not all of them, most of these sins in our own life. We're drawn to them. You're going to see. And yet every one of these sins hinder access to the Father. Now, I can't think of any Jesus story where he gets really, really mad at outsiders. Jesus was incredibly patient with outsiders. And by the way, yelling at an outsider doesn't really work on him anyway. And when Jesus gets angry, it's usually at insiders like us who keep putting these obstacles between people and our Father. And he's telling us, guys, don't let your bad attitudes get in the way of God's love. And Jesus ripped the veil on the temple from top to bottom. God threw open the doors of the Holy of Holies. Don't try shutting those doors in anybody's face. So that's where we're going to go for the next two months. What made Jesus mad? We're going to talk about indifference and judgmentalism and legalism and hypocrisy from several different angles. We're going to try to get ruthlessly honest with God about every one of these things, and we're going to try to root them out when we spot pieces of those in us. Because here at Capital City, we are on a mission from God. We say it many times. Our mission from God is to bring people face-to-face with Jesus and then to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. And we want to go to war against anything 
that goes against that mission. Now listen, guys, listen. This is really important. If you are not a Jesus follower yet, if you are not a Jesus follower yet, Jesus is not mad at you. He doesn't like your sin. He doesn't like your sin because your sin is messing you up and your sin is separating you from the Father. But he's not mad at you. In fact, if it was just you, Jesus would still go to the cross for you. Already has. If you need a connection to God, you need a hug from God, let's get it done. You can probably feel God's spirit tugging on you. You just need to have a conversation with God about making peace with him. And we'd love to be part of that conversation if you want to talk about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and starting life with God. Make sure that you don't leave this place today without talking to me so we can pray together and get you started down that path. If you are a Jesus follower, well, we're going to have some soul searching to do. And then probably we're going to have some work to do. It's not that I just don't want Jesus mad at me, which I don't. It literally breaks my heart to think the things that I think and things that I say and things that I do push people away from the God that I love. Am I throwing roadblocks between people and God? Are you throwing roadblocks between people and God? Are things that you think, things that you say, things that you do hindering access to our God? When they look at us, will they see him? When they feel our touch, will they feel his touch? Guys, I hope that you're going to be able to jump into this series with both feet. We're going to spend two months here. What made Jesus mad?